Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration of America. I'm your host, Jerry Ewalt, Chief Marketing Officer for Restoration of America. And today we are blessed to have someone who needs no introduction, Sean Spicer. He's a former White House press secretary under President Trump and had a three-year run as host of Spicer & Company on Newsmax TV. He knows as much as anyone in America about the news business. Sean, it's an honor to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so look, the, the first question I want to get into with all of your experience uh, in, in the press and conservative media, what's going on with Tucker Carlson? What's your take? You know, it's interesting because I don't know that we'll ever know the answer. Um, and, that might, and that might be because, you know, on, on Tucker's end, I don't know that Fox may tell him the entirety of it. Um, I don't know that if he does know, he'll ever share it with us. Uh, the way that the, 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 the interesting thing is having hired folks and, and, um, and, and dealt with the, the, the HR and the legal folks over the years, um, you know, a lot of times there are things that come up where you are letting an employee go or dealing with a matter where you can't even tell them what the overriding issue is for legal reasons. Um, I mean, I've dealt with this, I hired a couple hundred people at the RNC over time. I dealt with this at the White House as well. Um, and, and so again, I mean, I think the point is, is that something clearly came up on the, on Fox's end that they had an issue with. I don't know that they'll ever tell us or tell Tucker. And then if they do tell Tucker, what he'll tell us. But I, I think clearly there was something that, that, in, that they didn't like, and they made a decision. Um, the bigger question for me is, you know, what, where does he go now? Because by all public reports, you know, he is still under contract. So I think they're going to try to figure out some kind of deal where he figures out what it takes to get out of that contract and what they want in return uh, to do that before it's it's term ends. Because it's it, it, they both have an incentive to find a, a soft landing. Well, I guess that's the question, right? You could you can say um, there's a lot that would a lot of people that would say that this is all done on purpose to silence him. Uh, running into the 2024 election because his contract, I believe, runs through 2024, the end of next year. Is that correct? Or if you know, I, look, I, I've known Tucker a long time, like decades, and I don't think anybody's ever going to keep the guy silent. Um, <laughs> and regardless of whether or not he could be on the air, we saw it the other night with that video. Within a matter of hours, he had you know 11 million views. So he's got other mm. platforms. He might not be able to be on a broadcast network, but that doesn't mean he's silenced. He can still talk. He can still tweet. He can write op-eds. Um, he's got a lot of outlets that would give him plenty of venues. So most contracts talk about, you know, uh, like my at Newsmax when I was there, I had regulations regarding being able to appear on video. So now, obviously, I have the, the freedom to do that. But when a network puts you under contract, they're asking for certain things in return. Most of that comes down to exclusivity. But it usually is in the form of 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 broadcasting and video. So Tucker, as he did the other night in that tweet, still has plenty of ways to get his message out. Yeah, I, I think that's that's really important, right? Because that's the question everyone wants. And it's not just about Tucker. I, I, Tucker obviously is becoming a symbol of all the things that are going on and how conservatives are being silenced. That's the real question, right? Are, are people, I'll throw you in this category, do you feel like we are being silenced more and more as a result? Yeah, of course, to some degree, because look, when a corporation, when you sign up 
for any company, whether it's a broadcast company in the media sphere or, you know, some random office, in return for the employment, there's usually an employee guide, right? And it says you can't do the following and you need to seek permission if you want to do X, Y, or Z. Um, that's what you're trading. And more and more in this woke world that we live in, you're seeing corporations be very concerned about what can be said and how it might affect sponsors and things like that. So my my guess is that you you are going to see more and more people go the way of Glenn Beck and Dave Rubin, Tim Pool, uh, Dan Bongino, you know Dana Lash, Liz Wheeler. All of these folks are moving in a direction um, where they don't want to be silenced and have somebody telling them what they can say, when they have to say it, how long they have to say it for, et cetera. So uh, elaborate on this a little bit more because it feels as if media is collapsing at this point, right? So I, especially on the conservative side, right? Because there's it, it would be Fox and people were pointing to that. And Newsmax, I know you're leaving Newsmax. I'm, I don't even know you know the exact reasons. I know you're, we'll maybe get into some of the reasons and uh, what you, you're doing next. But it, it feels like media is collapsing at the journalism is collapsing at this point. What are your thoughts? Absolutely, it's collapsing. I mean, I posted this on, on Instagram the other day. There's a, a chart that shows, you know, cord cutter, people are cut, continuing to cut the cord. Subscription to legacy cable outlets and distributors is going down, whether it's DirecTV or Files or whatever. People are going down. Um, newspapers are collapsing. People want information on demand and, and where they are, right? So they want to be able to go on their phone or their tablet or their computer get information um, when they want, from who they want. And, and so you're seeing the institutions slowly, and not even that slowly, it depends on which, which, which medium you're talking about, but slowly shift away from the traditional sense. And I, I think there's mm. one, I think they've done that to themselves. And two, uh, that there's an element of people not trusting them and that, that goes back to this idea of how they've done it to themselves. And then three is they're just not adapting to reality, um, you know, and, and giving people what what they want when they want it and saying you have to be, you know, it's a, it's, your, your news is an appointment television. It's not a, a sporting event where the only way you can watch it live is because it's a live event. There are ways where you can go get the information that you want from the people that you want you know, whether you're driving to work, going for a workout, walking down the street, and you want to be able to download it um, on your personal devices. So I think that's where things are headed. Um, and I think people in, in the broadcast medium in particular are trying to, you know, just hold on for as long as they can. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense. People want uh, their news on demand, just like their movies and TV shows or whatever. They want to binge watch it and they're in a mood for news or whatever it is. Uh, they're binge watching, if you will, and, and they have multiple avenues to do that. Now, is this part of the reason why you left Newsmax? Do you want to elaborate a little bit on that? <laughs> I appreciate you try. Uh, I will tell you that I, I, you know, for what I've told people is I, I'm going to make some announcements soon. If you go to my YouTube channel, uh, which is at Sean M. Spicer, uh, or just go to my website, SeanSpicer.com. You can stay in touch with us, and, and I'll be I'll be letting that know. But I, I mean, look for me. I was at the I was the RNC communications director and the chief strategist. I was with obviously President Trump, and I believe that we're heading into a critical election. 
where I know that I know, you know, some people are sports junkies or foodies. I'm a political junkie. I know everything about the rules, the process. And as I looked forward into this cycle, I thought about what I could deliver and how I could explain it to people and break down what I like to say, the rules of the game, how it's played, how you a change. There are a lot of times when people, I, I mean, I, I do, I was in uh, Florida over the last weekend speaking to several groups. And part of this is to understand how this, as I said, how this process plays out, how delegates are allocated, because you don't win in a national poll. And I tell people all the time, when you, when you look and you see some national polls, says Trump's up 15 or he's down to, I don't really care because that's not how the game is played. The game is played state by state, early states matter more, how those delegates are awarded proportionally versus at large, et cetera, what the threshold is to qualify for delegates. So all of those things are going to matter. And the question is, do you understand the process? Because, I, you know, if the state of Texas ends up being the 32nd state that votes, um, I can guarantee you that we will probably have a nominee by then. So somebody's saying, well, I'm polling really well in Texas. I'd say, well, that's great. But unless you're polling well in Iowa or New Hampshire, or South Carolina, or Nevada, I don't know that that's going to have the same impact. The smaller states, fewer delegates, but the momentum that they build heading into Super Tuesday is critical. So part of what I wanted to do was to figure out what options and platforms I had to deliver people insight into probably the most consequential election that we're going to live through. Yeah. So, uh, so I, what you're saying is there's a method to your madness. We need to, we need to wait a little bit longer to under fully understand what that is. But, um, I, I, I mean, it makes sense to me. Good. Well, that's, that was the plan. So I'm, I'm glad that, it, that it's resonating. We're anxious to, to see it, but for sure. So, so Sean, let me, let me bring you back, uh, another question. That's, that's something that I've been dying to ask, right? Cause I can imagine that you have quite a, uh, maybe a kinsmanship with, uh, past and maybe present uh, White House uh, sec uh, press secretaries. So can, can you give us your opinion on um, Karine Jean-Pierre right now? Uh, I think she's unqualified and she doesn't do a great job. How's that for for, for getting it down? Look, she was not, yeah. she wasn't somebody that had a, the background um, of dealing with the press, of understanding, creating and crafting messages and strategies. Um, she was a political person. She was a field person that was brought into this job. And even when Jen Psaki handed the baton to her, she noted her, her, you know, her skin type, her sexuality, her gender. None of it had to do with her experience or her qualifications for the job. It was all of the way that the Biden administration has handled everything, which is worried about checking boxes as opposed to being the most qualified person for a particular job. Yeah. And so, so not... In your opinion, she's not qualified for this job right now. Has she been growing into this? Is things getting better, or, or do you, how do you see this ending up? I mean, I think this ends up that at some point before the next election, they appoint her to an ambassadorship or something and try to jam it through once they figure out the Diane Feinstein issue. Um, and I'm being serious in this because yeah. I think they, they brought in a babysitter, John Kirby who is the person that does most of the interviews and stands next to her during a ton of the briefings. Um, and I think he's press secretary in waiting. Um, she, she clearly hasn't grown into the job. You can watch 
the exchanges she has with the media and the way that she answers questions. And it's the same ridiculousness. Just yesterday, she created, you know, she tried to make the case that President Biden has done a lot to stop illegal immigration in this country. Um, back in my day, we called those lies. Apparently, the media doesn't call them that anymore because we now have President Biden in office. But look, it, it is, there's, there isn't a briefing that goes by that doesn't show a complete lack of command. But the other thing that I think is important is it is evident, and I saw a little of this with Jen Psaki, but much more now, is it's very evident that she doesn't have access to the president. And that was something that we didn't have any problem with during the Trump administration. I know from some of my predecessors uh, in the Bush White House, that wasn't an issue. Um, but if you're the press secretary and you don't have access, and you can't tell people this is what the president's thinking and why he's thinking it. You're going to have a very difficult time doing the job. And it's obvious in this White House that they don't give her, I don't think they really gave Jen Psaki that much either, but clearly more access to this. They basically, the people who are close to the president talk to her. So it's a game of telephone. You're hearing a one-off or a kind of filter of what the president's thinking is. So she, she's reading from a script. She doesn't have that color commentary to really answer the questions properly from the press. Exactly. So what, I mean, how does this damage the White House when, when you have a, a situation like this? Well, it doesn't, I mean, the, the White House, I, I think it damages the country. When, when allies and stakeholders around the world look and say, this is how you guys are operating, I don't think it, it instills a high degree of confidence. Um, so you look at what's happening in Ukraine uh, and you say, if you're China watching the situation and how they're messaging and how they're handling stuff, do you believe that the U.S. is showing strength or weakness? I've got to believe that since the Afghan withdrawal, that countries around the world, those who are who, uh, are not our friends, so I'm thinking, you know, Russia, uh, China, Iran, North Korea, they've got to be looking at what's happening and saying, the U.S. is not the strong country and partner to other folks that it once was. Yeah, I, I think I think that's that's obvious, right? I mean, it's it's almost like there's we're, we're being attacked from multiple directions, and it doesn't feel like we can actually handle that. So, uh, as as a citizen, we look to the press secretary and the White House to explain what are going on. But when that press secretary isn't connected with the president in the way that they should be, uh, we we lose confidence in the country. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's. Uh, that's unfortunate. We wish you were back in there, Sean, but yeah. uh, I know well, not for this administration. <laughs> I, 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 I truly mean this. It's an honor to serve. Um, but I, you know, I, I was asked at an event the other night, would you know, if President Trump returned to the White House, would you go back? And I said, absolutely not. Uh, it, it's not. It's just because it is a very demanding and intense position. Yeah. And it should be for, the, for just to be clear uh, because of the nature of what you're doing and who you're doing it for. But I've, sir, I've done my time. Uh, it, it truly is a sacrifice um, in the sense that, yeah. you you know, I have small children. Uh, they're growing bigger every day. And I enjoy being able to go to a Little League game or to my daughter's lacrosse game or, you know, some of the school outings. I've been a chaperone now uh, at a couple of their, their, their class trips. And that those are experiences that you can never get back. And when you're in the White House, it's very hard to escape the way that 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 would demand you know that job demands and so i've done it i was honored to do it i i you know, cherish my relationship 
with the president right now, but uh, it is somebody else's turn next time. I, I can only imagine. And uh, you, you mentioned children. So I want I want to touch on that a minute because you uh, one we talked about leaving Newsmax and some of the great right. things that you have in store for us soon. But I want to know a little bit. You wrote a children's book. It's called The Parrots Go Bananas. <laughs> you got to explain to me. What is that? So I've written three other books uh, and then I was approached by Brave Books, which if you go to bravebooks.com, you can see the great work that they did or spicerbook.com is probably the best place. And uh, and we talked about writing a children's book. And, and so many times I see through my own children the forces that are on kids these days uh, to influence them. And so we were talking what Brave Books has done is create a series of books as a subscription model so that you know you can buy an individual book, but you can also subscribe. And we had a conversation about writing a, a book that I, you know, and, and they, we, we kind of brainstormed what, what would you write about, what would you like? And, and I said, well, I know about politics and the media. And we kind of started to pull the thread, if you will. And, um, and we were talking about fake news, which obviously isn't applicable to kids four to 12 years old, but, but it is in the sense that kids are often either A, accused of doing things, and sometimes they're not always guilty of, and two, is a lot of times they get asked to pile on and jump on the bandwagon. And I keep telling people, you know, I've had my own personal experiences, but the one that I think most people will remember is that Nick Sandman incident at the steps of the Lincoln Memorial from Covington Catholic School, where he was accused of something this interaction with a Native American, that the media and everybody piled on and said, how rude was this kid for doing this, treating this individual this way? And then suddenly when the video came out, it was, oh, I guess it wasn't what we thought it was. And people were like, oh, I'm sorry, I jumped to the conclusion. But that kid's reputation you know, is tarnished for, for a lifetime because of that. And, and so we wrote this book. It doesn't mention the media. It doesn't talk about fake news. But it talks about an instance and in two of the characters in the Freedom Island book series that Brave Books puts out um, and them going and playing in this game. It's, it's basically their equivalent of baseball. They get accused of cheating and then they ultimately prove their innocence, not to give that much away. But the idea was to to show kids what how what it feels like to to be accused of something falsely. And how in my, they, it all takes place in this place called Mushroom Village, and it it was explaining to the kids how everyone in Mushroom Village piled on these accusations, and then ultimately were were realized, wow, you the, the characters didn't do the bad things, and they were apologetic. But it was when you when you read this to kids, and I have read it to my own family, and, and we've done book hours, story hours. You, these kids relate to it because they, they know what it's like to feel that pressure. And that's the equivalent of fake news for kids is when someone, something is perpetrated that's not true and there's an encouragement to jump on the bandwagon without knowing all of the facts. And so the Parents Go Bananas, again, as I said, you can go to spicerbook.com. The beautiful thing about Brave is that you get a book a month if you choose the subscription model and you know that your kid's going to get great content and it's not pushing an agenda. I mean, if you read my book, The Parents Go Bananas, you walk away with a lesson that says, be a good person. That's not right, that's not left, that's just, you know, it's, it's a good message to, to walk away. And all the books that they publish are patriotic and Christian in nature, but they're not trying to push an agenda as much as just to say, be a good person. 
Yeah, you know, uh, first of all, I have four kids of my own, and I, I can com completely relate. And you, you have to figure out how do you keep developing and preparing these kids for what's coming. And it's very different from when you and I grew up, for example. And so, uh, you know, I love the fact that you are, are, are tackling that subject. And, you know, we, we had Michelle Tafoya on uh, recently, and she's kind of went off on her own outside of sports. And she's, she's, she's pushing the same thing and saying, like, how do we get back to sanity? And that's what you're saying. How do we get back to sanity? How do you be a good person? You got the left, the right. It doesn't matter. Be a good person. Do the right things. And we're going to work all these other things out. It's a tough message to deliver as a, as a kid, right? But but they got you got to start somewhere. So I appreciate you doing that. Yeah. And, and the fun thing is it forces these discussions that you have with a kid about, hey, you know, you're going to be told sometimes to jump on the bandwagon to accuse, you know, somebody that you know something without knowing all the facts be the better person, you know, Absolutely. say, let's try to suss out the truth and get to the bottom as opposed to, to, to trying to, yep. you wouldn't like it if that were you, right? And so it's a great lesson to talk to children about. Uh, and that's why I think it was fun to do this. I feel like, you know, th this is where the left has really done a, a great job to, you know, unfortunately, is really understanding that the future, you know, get, get to the kids, get to the next generation, and start selling them on an ideology and a culture um, so that by the time they're 11, 12, 13 years old, they're already buying into all this nonsense. And so thank you for doing that. And I also want to say thank you for your past and present service, and I'll say future service of our country. So thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, and thank you for having me. It's been fun to talk about it. And again, if people want to stay in touch, SeanSpicer.com is the website. The YouTube videos are at Sean M. Spicer. I appreciate you subscribing and uh, staying in touch so that we can let people know what, what this next uh, next chapter is. All right. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting conservative media. And don't ever forget that by working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. Until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without the liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe by texting First Right to 30161. That's First Right, all caps, one word, to 30161.